Hey, did you just have a meeting with a donor and they told you something really, really important and you have no place to put it except for like maybe an Excel spreadsheet or, I don't know, a random piece of paper in your office? Go to DonorDoc.com. Get a CRM system that works. Get a donor database system that works. Get something that gives you beautiful reports and beautiful dashboards that even your crankiest board member will love. Go to DonorDoc.com. Use the code word "Do Good Better" at checkout and get a month free. DonorDoc.com. Your organization is awesome, but sometimes you want to be even awesomer. It's time to get your fundraising on with your host, fundraising expert and author Patrick Kirby. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. And of course, this show all about uh, small and medium-sized nonprofits doing very great big things. But sometimes our small and medium-sized nonprofits look to the very big nonprofits on what they're doing and how they apply it to their own organizations. And so I am ecstatic to have our friend Gabe Cooper. He is the CEO of Virtuous. He's going to talk to us today about all the tips and tricks that some of the larger organizations are working with in their CRM systems. And how in the hell do we apply that to your small and medium-sized nonprofit organization? Gabe, welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's a blast to be here. I am uh, I'm super excited for this topic in particular, responsive fundraising. I feel like if you said that to a small or a medium-sized nonprofit who are just sort of getting their feet wet and they're just sort of ramping up and, and feeling out their, their organizations and their, and their fundraisers and their donors, responsive fundraising is a mysterious term that nobody knows about. I'm excited to talk about that, and I'm excited about kind of how you can relate some lessons to them from some of the larger organizations. But before we get into that, somebody's scrolling through Facebook or, or podcasts, or wherever they listen to their podcasts, and they see your name, and they see Virtuous, and they want to know more, 10,000-foot view on what Virtuous is and who you are and how you got to where you are right now. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I used to work in the nonprofit space years and years ago and uh, saw a lot of frustration led um, digital and software at about a $30 million nonprofit. And so I've spent the last uh, 12 years or so kind of building, well, I spent 12 years building custom software for nonprofits. And we saw a lot of the same challenges that the nonprofits we were working with as a nonprofit that I worked in, right? And uh, big technology challenges. And so that's why we started Virtuous. Um, so we've been around for, you know, five or six years. We uh, have a platform that does um, CRM, marketing automation, giving, and some donor insight kind of technology for nonprofits. And it's all around, yeah, what you said, this idea of responsive fundraising, which is what we realized is nonprofits were really, really good at talking to major donors. They knew their families' names. They knew their motivations. They knew what they were into. They knew where they liked to eat Mexican food. But then you get past those major donors and everybody else was just kind of a name and a database. And so our strategy with those folks, whether you're small or big, was just sort of blast them out with an email newsletter or send them all the same direct mail piece. And so after that, you know, top 100 major donors, everybody just got treated almost more like an ATM machine than they did a person. And so that was that was frustrating as a nonprofit because the nonprofits were working with churning out half of their donors every year. They couldn't retain anybody. And it's frustrating for donors because giving is massively personal. It's one of the most personal things we'll ever do. And then they get institutional sort of heartless communication from their favorite nonprofit. And it's a bit of a wet blanket on generosity. So that's the problem that we're trying to fix. 
I love it. It's a it's a conversation we have with uh, with both clients and uh, and organizations uh, here on the show, and and really in in person every single day is how to make every donor feel like they are special. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the bigger organizations, I'm sure the ones that you work with, um, have massive machines behind it, right? They've got a staff of 20. They've got uh, a board of directors that just shovels money at uh, sort of growing these major gifts. A major gift to a uh, sort of a small nonprofit could be 500 bucks, could be 1000 bucks. Mm-hmm. They still need to know about uh, all of those things. So I'd love uh, for from your experience and, and really kind of what you're building with Virtuous is maybe help us with some uh, thoughts about what the what the big organizations get right that we yep. can translate to actionable steps that our smaller nonprofit friends can actually do. Because one of the things that, I, that annoys me the greatest is that all the all the talking points are really created from these big ships, and then nothing's translatable down to the. Uh, and I know there's there's ways to do it. I think us in the trenches can probably figure that out for everybody else. So uh, maybe you can kind of maybe talk about a, a trends first, like trends that we can follow in the in the small nonprofit world that we can mimic what the big boys and girls are doing uh, at the smaller, medium sized levels. Yeah, and and to be honest with you, a lot of the big guys are doing the exact same thing you're doing as a little guy. They're just doing it at scale, but it's not necessarily good, right? So the problem that I described of blasting out the same direct mail piece or email piece, independent of somebody, is that happens at billion dollar organizations and $10,000 organizations. And so um, don't get too discouraged. First off, um, there's there's plenty of stuff that you can do really well. I think the trick for the small guys is, hey, you know, your first 20 donors that you got, you they're probably friends and family, right? And so you think of that kind of experience you had with them, why they gave, what motivated them. And then we think about ways to scale that out to more and more and more donors. And the thing that I hear all the time from small nonprofits is, yeah, we don't have the staff to do that. You know, if we got even with 500 donors, that's a lot of people. We can't call all those people. We can't know them and their kids' names and all that kind of stuff. Totally get it. The good news is the lesson we can take from some of the, some of the big guys are figuring this out is we can use technology and more responsive tactics to begin creating those kind of personal relationships at scale. And so one of the ways people are doing that today is through something called marketing automation. And so we've all experienced this before. I, I can guarantee if I go over and look at my old Yahoo inbox right now, I'll have an email from Nordstrom in there and it will have some like middle-aged dude with a salt and pepper beard looking really good in a sweater for fall. And I'll go, well, that's amazing. How did they know what I wanted? And I'll click on it because Nordstrom knows me. Amazon knows me. Netflix knows me. They're all giving me hyper personal experiences. And it's not like they have a full-time staff member following me around trying to figure out who I am. They're using marketing automation and data analytics to do that. So for small organizations, it starts with, hey, how do I listen to my donors better? What can I find out about them using technology, even something basic like surveys, like survey monkeys, sending out and trying to figure out what makes people tick. Mm -hmm. And then how can I automate a few uh, connection points with them to make them feel special without having to spend a lot more staff time because it's all about saving staff time. So just as an example, this because it's sometimes hard to get handles around this, but for a small nonprofit, one of your biggest problems that you're going to face as you start getting bigger is donor retention. People give one year or they give once and they never give again. And it takes way more effort to acquire a donor than it does to keep a donor. And so one basic first step is let's do a new donor welcome series where we just send, if somebody gives the first time, Let's send them three emails introducing them to the organization. 
let's send them a thank you postcard and let's have somebody on our team call them. And then that just those simple steps in the first 30 days are going to be massive for donor retention. They're going to have help people stick around forever. So to do that, though, you need technology that's going to automatically send out those three emails so your staff doesn't have to. They don't have to run a report every week on who was a first-time giver, right? It's going to, the automation is going to prompt somebody on your team to give them a call because in your busy day, you don't have time to remember to look at all these people. So it's going to prompt you to give them a call and it's going to automatically send out a postcard to their house. So what I just described can be transformational in terms of increasing lifetime value of donors, but it's also going to save your staff time if you can implement that kind of technology. Now you're not running around like crazy just trying to get a handle on data. Is that helpful? Yeah, no, it's really helpful. And I think one of the things that uh, organizations don't do enough is use that survey to your advantage, not only to get insight on your donors, but then also make your donors feel like they're part of the decision-making team. That their insight is going to help navigate whatever communication is or programming or services. And you're now personalizing it to they care about what I do or what I think is going to impact those that I want to help serve through my gift. And what a, and, and how simple and free is that if you just do like a, like a survey monkey, which is just a free platform for five questions. And you now know five intimate things about said donor multiple times over. And that's such an easy way to do. I think think individuals think like, well, now I got to go through the whole process of getting a board to okay me thinking this question about whether they have kids or like vacations or whatever. Like you don't need to worry about it. I think a lot of the worry comes like, what am I going to offend somebody with a question? You're not. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Yeah. And you should, you start with a small number. That's what... uh, just layer in this stuff. Just yep. Don't If you're nervous about it, just do 10% of your donor database and see how it goes, mm-hmm. right? Start simple, experiment, give yourself permission to fail on this stuff. And I'll say to the other point, like with surveys, especially, I think what a lot of nonprofits have learned during COVID is they haven't traditionally been great at listening to their donors. Because I hear people say, is it okay to ask them for money? How are my donors feeling? Like, Why don't we know that already? We should have better mechanisms to listen to our donors. And the other part of that is exactly what you said is this, the shorter the distance you can make between your donors and your cause, the good you're doing in the world, the more you can shorten that distance for them, the more engaged donors you're going to have, the more sacrificially they're going to give, they're not going to shut up about your cause. Mm-hmm. And so just listening to what they're into by asking questions and then giving them content and specific feedback around the things that light them up. Like that brings them really close. That makes them feel like they're apart shoulder to shoulder with you. And it's transformational. Part of the COVID that's been great is that everybody's been forced to communicate more. But now your organization is going to get lost in the shuffle, right? So what you're talking about is so important that because you're going to get lost in the sheer mass of content that's being driven towards every one of your donors, is that how do you stand out in a crowd? Well, personalization is the number one. Yeah. And then they feel like they are connected in that shortening of a path uh, is great. Some of the older organizations, even the small, medium-sized ones that have been around for 100 years or so, uh, will have old guard board members that will say the following things, Gabe. And I want you to tell me that I am completely wrong. I'm going to be an old guard board member. Boy, I don't want to connect with them that many. That's so many times. They're going to get annoyed with us. How do I convince a uh, longstanding individual at an organization that communicating a great deal is not annoying, 
whether it's science or numbers, I want, I, however you want to do it, is how do I uh, talk about it in a way that uh, dispels the myth that our over-communicating is over-asking, which means they're going to get annoyed with us? Yeah. So two things. Number one, a lot of board members are old, crusty business guys or gals. So, and they understand numbers and spreadsheets. And so test and show them the difference. Hey, we took half the people, we sent them three communications. We took the other half and we only sent them one. See, when we send them three, they give a lot more money, right? And so any board member, most board members are going to get that. If you can test, A-B split test and show the data that you're right, it makes a huge difference. Number two, I completely agree. If your communication strategy is every time we send a thing, we say, give us money, dear friend, give us money now, we're running out of money. Yeah, yeah. massively annoying. Don't do that. But you know what? Like, the, like I described with uh, Nordstrom or Patagonia or Nike or even Costco, I, they can send me eight emails a day. I don't care. I love it because it's value add and it's personalized to me. Yeah. Ask that board member, hey, what are you getting from your favorite brands and how much do you get it? Well, I get this one email from my fly fishing company all the time and I love it. Yes, you get like four a day and you open every one. It's because it's relevant, mm-hmm. it's personal, and it's value add. If we can focus on nurturing donors around what can we give to donors instead of what can they give to us, we can send them a lot of communication and build a relationship. So that's just the world we live in. And I think if you start with the idea, hey, let's celebrate a win that we had together that we couldn't have done without you. You're not asking them for money. You're actually yeah. connecting the dots to what they gave. And if you know where they gave and you know what program that they yeah. gave that was successful and you can connect the dots that way, wonderful. Now they know you're always asking for money, but they, they now are opening up an email that says what you did to help make this happen. It's not a, please give us money. We're out of money. And then you throw them as th- uh, an appreciation note, not because they gave, but because they are an intricate part of your organization, right? I think people are so hell bent on only sending thank you notes or only sending notes of appreciation when they give a gift in exchange. It's like this quid pro quo thing, yeah, right? I think if you are in advance of that and you're just thanking them for being a member of your community or doing something outside of uh, giving a gift, all of a sudden that bond becomes a little bit deeper too. And I think if you are purposeful, and this is what I think COVID has taught yeah. me in my communication with our, with our clients and our and nonprofits in general is being purposeful with your interactions is so unbelievably critical right now that you got to have some sort of plan. If you're going to automate, do it purposely. And that is going to have this sort of responsive fundraising thing at the top of the list. Yeah, totally, totally agree. I have a a friend that says, hey, you need to thank somebody five times before you ask again, which is true. And I think you need to close the impact on what they gave the first time for it. So here's what your gift accomplished in the world. But I think you're absolutely right, too, about if if you people always know it's a lead up to an ask that you just get you get burned. You don't care about me. You just care about my checkbook. And so deliver value that has nothing to do with them giving. Show them that you care and actually care, right? And the reality is your donors have way more to offer them money anyway. They're telling their friends and family, they're showing up and volunteering, they're doing all sorts of other things because you know, if you're a cancer cause and cancer impacted their family, it's way more than writing a check for them. Yeah. And so treat them like that. Treat them like part of your cause and it's going to be amazing the results you see. One of the things I love about this conversation is that small, medium-sized nonprofits listening to this are saying, well, we must not be the only group and organization that has some of these similar issues of donor retention. The big kids 
do too. And that's why this is such an important conversation to have, regardless of your size, scope, or scale, is that retention is the major killer of both your time and your energy spent at organizations trying to reclaim the money that you lost uh, from people forgetting about your organization because you weren't communicative enough or you weren't personalized enough and they found some other organization who was. And so it is the same regardless. I know it's, it's, they might have different resources or different scale of resources, but the issues are the same globally at any organization at any size. And I think that's a nice thing to hear from someone who works so intimately with sort of these large organizations that like, listen, we're, they're just like us. That's right. We just have to be creative in how we address some of those issues on a smaller scale, same issues across the board. And what I really love is your insistence on giving value. What's the value that an individual donor is getting from an organization? Can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing some of the larger entities in providing value and value does not equate to stuff. There's like, and I think that's really important too, because they're like, well, we can't provide them a koozie every time they give us something or whatever. We're not sending out, you know, mugs or shirts or whatever. What sort of value are larger organizations that you're working with, what you're seeing them give to their uh, prospective donors or their current and, uh, and, and uh, supporters? Yeah. I mean, if somebody just, if your cause is a really weighty cause and you're sending them address labels, that almost like, it, it hurts your authority and the impact you're having, right? It doesn't do justice to the feeling this no. donor's having supporting you. And so <clears throat> I think delivering value is sort of way more about how you're, you're integrating them into your call. So great email I saw a while back from an organization called Watsi. Mm-hmm. So Watsi deploys doctors on the ground in places like um, Guatemala, like Central America to um, work with kids, cure some, you know, very curable diseases. So this email that came from Watsi said, uh, Hey, thank you so much for your gift. Um, but it addressed by name. Hey, Gabe, thank you so much for your gift. And it's like, meet Peter. Peter's a doctor on the ground meeting, working with Estella in Guatemala. And it has a picture of this doctor with his little girl. And then there's a note from Peter, the doctor working on the ground says, Hey, Gabe, just heard about your gift. This is amazing. We're using this to help Estella and others in this community. You're making a massive impact. And then the CTA on the bottom of the email was see other patients like Estella that Peter's serving. And so for me, I go from like a donor at a distance to now I'm in. Like it's me and Peter, the doctor on the front lines. We are serving side by side. I can see the stories of people I'm impacting. I can share that with my kids at home. I've five kids. And so I can go show them this email, this little girl that we're helping as a family. And I can see the other little girls like her and her family. That's transformative. That's that. And that's not giving somebody a tchotchke or a t-shirt, but what it's doing is it's, it's opening up the minds and hearts of a donor and the people around them to engage more deeply in the cause. And so I think thinking about giving in those terms is way more powerful than sort of premium based. No, there's nothing wrong with premium based. Like if I give to PBS, I would love to have a, a coffee mug with the Ken Burns movie on. Right. Like I know yes. I love that, right? But it's got to be deeper and more than that. Yeah, especially for long-term continuous relationships that are going to lead to larger donors uh, and donations uh, in, yes. in the long term too. And I think that's again so important to recognize is that every one of the organizations who are either listening or who pick this up and who in whatever organization you volunteer at or work at have those impact stories. I think it is so absolutely critical that you highlight those and don't shy away from it. And it's not bragging. 
it mm-hmm. is showcasing the impact. And, and we live in flyover country here in Fargo, North Dakota. We're in the Midwest where everybody is super humble. We don't want to brag about things, whatever. The donors don't care about that. They want to sh- be shown where their gifts are making an impact. And that personalization and that sort of not only a first name, but then somebody addressing you. In to- like that's that's a micro on top of a micro uh, connection that is so wonderfully meta uh, yeah. that I think is just a, a delightful thing that will separate you from everybody else. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing in what you said there, and even the email example I gave is, is it never said, look at the impact Watsy made, right? They're not, it's not, it's the opposite of bragging. You're bragging on the donor. You're saying, exactly. look at the impact you made. Yeah. Like we're just an intermediary, man. We're just connecting you with a great work and you're doing amazing work. Mm-hmm. So I, it, yeah. it's not about the organization it's about the donor exactly and i think that's where uh sort of your conversation with board members have to be where you're not annoying them 13 times you're connecting and making value to them 13 times or you're 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 sending a message that we're paying attention to how you feel first and foremost we're just the recipients and we've connected you to make you feel good. And then because you feel good giving us revenue uh, or us a donation, look at the impact you're making on your community or globally or however that is uh, as well. Brilliant. I love, I love that. Um, uh, This has been so enlightening for a couple of reasons. One, I know I think a lot of smaller, medium-sized nonprofits feel frustrated that they can't perform at a level that some of these larger institutions are. All those large institutions started where they are, which is this small sort of grassroots, just, hell, I'm going to go and make this work sort of thing. And, we're, and you now have strategies that those groups didn't have when they first started. And so your growth potential is exponential. Uh, and really thinking about sort of donor-centric, responsive fundraising that is personalized and hammering that home over and over and over again, I think is so critical. And if there was a small and medium-sized nonprofit that wanted to get super big and awesome, and they wanted to reach out to somebody who maybe knows all the answers to this, they would probably want to go to Virtuous just to hang out and look at all the great content that you have. How on earth does a organization get a hold of you so that they can learn a little bit more about responsive fundraising and everything else that you're doing currently? Yeah, so great place to start. Go to virtuous.org, but then uh, we have a little link on there, what is responsive, and you can learn about responsive fundraising. But there's a, a playbook on there. Um, it's like an ebook, but it's 28 plays. So the thing I described with a new donor welcome series, there's 28 plays like that that are plays that you can run today, even as a small nonprofit, that move you in this direction. So don't get intimidated like we can't change everything overnight. It's too hard. Just find one or two things that you can layer in today. But that that playbook on virtuous.org, the responsive fundraising playbook, is a great place to start. And we'll link that actually in the show notes as well. So you've got a quick link right there. And of course, reach out to uh, to Gabe and his team if you've got any additional questions. And you know an organization that could use a little uh, leg up on a lot of this responsive fundraising and a lot of the questions that you might have, go find them on virtuous.org. Gabe, thank you so much. I really think this is so important to, to close the gap between uh, what people think are have and have nots, that you're all on the same page, you all have the same problems, regardless of big and small, and wonderful insight and some tips and tricks today for our friends in the nonprofit world. I appreciate you, and uh, thanks so much for the time being on the official Do Good Better podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Documenting donor information is the most important thing you can do as a fundraiser, as a nonprofit organization, and hey, 
If you don't know where to start and try to figure out where and what system to get, go to DonorDoc.com. DonorDoc is the CRM system, the donor database system. It has wonderful reporting. It has easy-to-use dashboards. Frankly, it's the greatest thing that you will have at your disposal as a fundraising organization. Go to DonorDoc.com. There are countless videos, books, articles, and folks out there with suggestions on how to raise more money. Of course, that's a major problem. Too much information. Do Good University has an online library of lectures, courses, and trainings that concentrate on one thing, making fundraising simple. Come join other like-minded do-gooders who are looking to unclutter their fundraising life. Enroll at Do Good University today at dogoodbetterconsulting.com.